Chapter 11. Within the same month as my initiation to LSD, my brother Barry, ever concerned with my well-being, came to San Francisco. Excitedly, I shared my psychedelic adventures with him. He too was a member of the club and neither criticized nor congratulated me for taking the plunge. While sightseeing together one day, we stopped in front of a colorful poster stapled to a phone pole, Meeting of the Ways, it announced, and went, to, went on to describe a conscious-raising symposium consisting of a host of speakers, workshops, activities, and displays. The event was several days away. Barry suggested we attend, and I agreed. While continuing our walk through the city, we found a metaphysical bookshop with an extensive collection of used books. Barry thought. Barry bought a paperback for 15 cents, and we returned home. The book, Handbook to Higher Consciousness, fascinated me. The author was Ken Keyes, and he offered a smorgasbord of receipts, receipts, receipts for happiness. What's that? Let me check later. Smorgas board of receipts for happiness, a smattering of Buddhism, Hinduism, and other Eastern philosophies, as well as a variety of other concepts, many of which I've seen before. The novelty was to read the practical ways in which he integrated these ideas into everyday situations. A major part of Kenki's work seems to focus on how to avoid accumulating stress as we go about our daily lives. This was particularly apt for me, for whom, in the past, every mistake was judged to be a major mistake and every problem a life-wrenching trauma. The book was struck me as straightforward and refreshing, and I felt the author was a wise man with much much to teach. When later that night I was looking over the poster for Meeting of the Ways Symposium, I was more than overjoyed to discover that Ken Keyes was a scheduled speaker. The day of the symposium arrived, coinciding with the annual Equionian Equionics of 1973, and I remember feeling that the Equinox Equinox was making a transition not only into the new season of fall, but into a new season in my life too. The meeting of the waves turned out to be a crucial circus of consciousness-raising groups 
from all sectors of the Western United States, spiritual people of every description had thoughts, vending books, incense, statists, and photographs of saints, masters, and holy men. The carnival-like atmosphere made me smile more than once. This really is my kind of church, I mused to myself. Late in the afternoon, Kinkies gave a brief talk, the essence of which was, you create your own reality. As he explained his, this simple statement, my heart began to palpitate. Palpitate. I realized that the missing ingredient for which I had been searching so long was materializing right now in front of me. Ken was literally handing me on a silver, silver platter the thing I had never been able to find on my own and the absence of which had twice made me decide that life wasn't worth living. Quite simply, he was telling me that I could choose anything I wanted and it would come to me because, in fact, I created my own experience of myself. Regardless of the situations or circumstances in which I found myself, I and I alone created my responses and reactions, and this meant that I and I alone whether I was conscious of it or not, created my own experience of these situations or circumstances. I had always looked outside myself for both the answers to my problems and the responsibility for creating them. If I was miserable, it was external circumstances, I believed, that had made me that way if I sought enlightenment, I also expected it to be out there. That was why I had gone to India to seek the masters, because I wanted them to enlighten me. It had never occurred to me that it was my own attitude that perpetuated my misery, even when external circumstances might have brought rejoicing. Similarly, it had never occurred to me that if I wanted enlightenment, I would have to seek it solely within myself. As I sat in the dark, darkened auditorium, I began to see that I could have whatever I wanted in life. But first, I had to be really clear about what it was I wanted. Once I created the intention, anything could be mine. I myself would become the magnet that would ultimately bring it all to me. If I wanted to be a spiritual person, I had to begin with the realization that I, I already was one. And to let the process of unfolding my spiritual nature happen in its own time. Ken reminded everyone that no matter what the situation was in our lives, we created that way. 
Once we begin to see our own part in creating our lives, we begin to stop blaming others, which also means that we stop seeing ourselves as victims. Then and only then can we begin to zero in on how we are doing it to ourselves and how to go about changing the things we find unacceptable. Ken concluded by pointing out that we create as much suffering in the world when we take offensive as when we give offense. His remarks made me realize how strange it was that up until that moment, I had never stopped to see how much suffering I was causing for myself every time I took offense because of what someone else did or said. It seems that every time I saw a chance to suffer, I went for it like fish for bait. <laughs> I like it. It seemed that every time I saw a chance to suffer, I went for it like fish for bait. Hmm. Ken didn't seem to have this problem. Throughout his talk, he beamed like a man who was truly happy. The impact of his radiance was overwhelming, especially since he was completely paralyzed from the neck down and he spoke to us from the wheelchair. At 53 years old age, he had been in a wheelchair half his life as a result of polio. He had to be washed, dressed, moved, and fed by others. His presence alone made such an impression on me that I resolved to see him again as soon as possible. Chapter 12. The following week, Barry and I took a bus across the Bay Bridge to Living Love Center, a huge house that had formerly belonged to me to one of the fraternities of the University of California at Berkeley, and which now served as an office and teaching facility for Ken and a home for him and several of his students. During my, during my visit, I learned that the center was in need of a gardener. I immediately begged for the position. Ten days later, Barry returned to New Jersey and I moved in with Ken to become his student and gardener. Having spent his early adulthood in the Navy and then abroad a yacht, yacht, Ken ran the center exactly like a ship. Everything was accomplished effortlessly as a result of following a routine each day. I found it a comfortable environment. We got up early, did morning exercises, cleaned the premises, cleaned the premises, then sat in class while Ken taught us different aspects of Eastern philosophy as he interpreted them. The daily instruction was useful and practical, never abstract. Hmm.
As days passed into weeks, I felt something tight within myself being to beginning to relax. At last, <clears throat> after two suicide attempts, electric shock therapy, insulin coma therapy treatments, and pounds of drugs, with the help of this brilliant and loving man in a wheelchair, I was finally lowering my guard and changing into the person I had always wanted to be. A major part of this was learning how to use my mind so that I could get up each day and choose what I wanted to experience. I could resolve that no matter what circumstances arose, I would be able to meet them in a positive way. I began to see I could either enjoy everything that happened in the course of that day or I could use it to teach me a lesson. These were not mere words. The more I put them into practice, the more I began to see how true they were. It was up to me how I reacted to the events in my life and whether I wanted to learn from mistakes and things that went wrong or would prefer just to suffer and blame. I also began to use the process of visualization to help me reach my goals. This involved focusing the power of mind by closing my eyes and breathing deeply for a few minutes to attain a relaxed state and then with my imagination, seeing what I wanted to happen as if it were already occurring. <clears throat> the process reminded me of the Bible passage. The process reminded me of the Bible passage as above, so as above, so below. If I could see it with my mind's eye above, I could manifest it in the physical world below. Oh. As above, so below. If I could see it with my mind's eye above, I could manifest it in the physical world below. I like it. It was wonderful to picture the things I wanted to happen. Like so many people, I used to picture things I dreaded without the first step toward making them happen. Where, where before I had fixed my imagination on negativity, Ken demanded that I, along with the other students, focus my thoughts on love, service, health, harmony, and happiness. The more I followed these instructions, the more deeply I realized that the truth of the first lecture I had heard him give. I had heard him give that now I viewed myself and the world around me had everything to do with what my day-to-day -day life 
would be like. Mm. After class, I would go outside to perform my chores as resident gardener. I had told Ken initially that I knew almost nothing about gardening, but I had promised to do research, ask questions if I was unsure of something, and work hard. The grounds had not been cared for in years. I removed garbage from the stream that flowed through the property, picked up broken glass that had been pounded into the dirt, trimmed uh, the trimmed and unrooted sticker bushes and cleared areas for planting. Though the routine was lackluster and strenuous, I was ecstatic. I felt as if I had finally attained a lifetime lifelong dream. Lack luster and strenuous. After all, it is a greater blessing to be the garbage. Uh, it is a greater blessing to be the garbage man in heaven than the richest man in hell. Okay, that's funny. Okay, get out, get out. Excuse me, get out. Uh, let me read it again. After all, it is a greater blessing to be the garbage man in the heaven than the richest man in hell. Once a month, Kenny invited the public at large to spend a weekend in his home and to participate in a seminar he had devised to illustrate the teachings in his books. During the first of these seminars I attended, Ken told everybody present about 20 of us to remove our clothes to remove our clothes and sit in a large circle one at a time we were instructed to stand in the middle and tell the group the one thing we liked most about our bodily appearance and the one thing we liked least i was shocked by his request i tried to act nonchalant nonchalant. Inside, I was cooking. I had never done such an outrageous thing before, and I found myself wondering if this might even be legal and would lead to all of us being thrown in jail. I wondered if I was alone in my shock or if other people were equally apprehensive about his this avant-garde exercise. After all, I was a New Jersey boy. Nothing this racy had ever crept into my realm of experience. Perhaps Californians were... I was shocked by his request. I tried to act nonchalant inside. I was corking. I was shocked by his request. I tried to act nonchalant, nonchalant 
Inside, I was cooking. I had never done such an outrageous thing before, and I find myself wondering if this might even be legal and would lead to all of us being thrown in jail. I wondered if I was alone in my shock or if other people were equally apprehensive about this avant-garde exercise. After all, I was a New Jersey boy. Nothing this racy had ever crept into my realm of experience. Perhaps Californians were more used to disrobing, 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 disrobing in front of a whole room full of people. I kept my eyes focused downwards, but soon sensed that others too were as nervous as I was. The odor all around me indicated perspiration was being released in large amounts. <clears throat> one by one, the participants entered the center of the ring and announced that they didn't like the shape of their um, porches or the size of the penis, rejected their boldness, bulks, big hips, small or large breasts, or crooked nose. Some liked their smile, loved their beard, ears, or eyes. It was ironic to watch two women <clears throat> talk about themselves right after each other and hear that the first didn't like her breasts because she thought they were too big, while the second, who was of the exact same build, lamented that hers were too small. Ken was naked too, and after seeing how accepting he was of his withered limbs, it became harder for me and the others not to accept our own bodies. After each presentation, he made a humorous comment, and what I had thought would be a heavy experience turned out to be light and comical. The conclusion of the exercise clearly demonstrated that Hilda had implied and Ramdas had told me that behind all our bodies, here we are. Gradually, as we experienced ourselves with the perspective gained by looking through Ken's eyes, he began to discover who, uh, gradually, as we experienced ourselves with the perspective gained by looking through Ken's eyes, we began to discover who we really were apart from who we were programmed to believe we were. The entire process of show and tell took about an hour. It was a simple but profound lesson, and by the time it was over, everyone, including myself, felt quite comfortable with our naked bodies exposed for all to see. We laughed appropriately uproariously, uproar, uproariously at the insight that actually we are always naked under our clothes. That is, 
our feelings and souls are always laid bare for sensitive eyes to see, no matter how we try to hide them. Despite my sleeping on the mattress in the hippie apartment, bleaching my blue jeans and letting my hair grow, hadn't John spotted how upright I had already been. <coughs> Within weeks of moving to the Living Love Center, I felt like a different person. I was open to learning new ideas, hearing new viewpoints, and seemed to be enjoying life more than at any time I could remember. Old concepts took on new meaning under Ken's tutelage. tutelage. Little by little, we bridged the roles of teacher and students and started to become friends. Before his study of Buddhism led him to realize he wanted to be a teacher, Ken had been a successful real estate broker. Since my parents were also real estate brokers, we often found ourselves having conversations generally, generally satirical, satirical on the subject of real estate. At times like these, he and I locked into each other's mind in a way that made us appreciate each other in a very personal way. As the month progressed, Ken reduced my responsibilities in the garden and invited me to work with him on planning the format for his upcoming workshops. Drawing on my experience in show business, I shared with Ken my impression that his seminar was somewhat dull and offered to help him add some pizzas. He was delighted to have he was delighted to have of to have theoretical theatrical theatrical input and soon the seminar became a real show. These were brightly colored placards and displays and comedy skits to highlight concepts can taught. I started by doing the warm-up, wrench the dinner bell, rang the dinner bell, <coughs> handled special problems, administered uh, the schedule, and took care of logistics. Within a few months, I was doing everything but the main teaching work. With this new show business energy, King himself became a more powerful and entertaining speaker. The joy in our relationship and the dynamics of the retailer format affected everyone attending the seminars, and soon word of mouth created a waiting list to get in. Eventually, King gave me large chunks of time to speak since my past life of misery contrasted with my present happiness. It was a moving demonstration of the possibility of change and people find it inspiring. It felt good to share these experiences, knowing that I was giving other people courage to create a more positive future for themselves. Soon, 
We took the seminar on the road throughout California, and it made with rave reviews. Next, we co-authored a book, an ABC of Consciousness Growth, How to Make Your Life Work or Why Aren't You Happy, which became a bestseller. I then pressed Ken to form a nationwide network for his teaching to include newsletters, lectures, and seminars all over the country. As our work continued to expand, I danced about with a sense of freedom I had only dreamt of before. I was in love with Ken, in love with life, and for the first time, almost in love with myself. Looking back now, I can see that this was the point in my life after which thoughts about suicide never again crept into my mind. And it should be noted the chanting from someone, changing from someone who was hell-bent on killing himself into a person who never again entertained such thoughts was a monumental transformation. Ken had indeed given me the missing ingredient. He showed me how to create my life as a positive experience. My enthusiastic planning had its effect, and soon the Living Love Center was drawing workshop participants from far away as New York, Florida, Florida, and Europe. An exciting year unfold for me as Ken's right-hand man. Finally, I was enjoying what seems to be permanent happiness. My evolution was enhanced by my association so closely and so continuously with other people committed to spiritual growth, living, con- living continually at the Living Love Center made it easier to integrate insights I was having about my own behavior patterns. The fact that Ken provided the environment, the structure, and the root tools for me to make real progress in transforming myself made me deeply grateful to him. The tools he provided were particularly effective for me because he spoke directly to my intellect, and I was used to dealing with the words intellectually rather than on a feeling level, although I knew instinctively I knew I knew instinctively where it was that Hilda and Ramdas were trying to guide me. It wasn't until I began to study with Ken that I felt empowered to get there on my own. Hilda and Ramdas offered me a path of heart. But my heart was too closed than to make any real progress. Ken's path of the mind eventually enabled me to open my heart so that I could receive what Hilda and Ramdas had to offer. I was also deeply grateful that in Ken and in Ken, I finally found someone whom I genuinely wanted to be like, someone whose career, lifestyle, and service to others provided me with a model to emulate. The more I changed, the more I began to feel that I wanted to share 
what I was learning with others as a teacher, even though I knew I was still only a student. Huh?